0: Hello, and welcome back to Lights, Camera, Analysis. My name is Audrey Thorne, and as always, I will be your host. Everyone has heard of the Marvel vs. DC rivalry, a rivalry which I'm also sure you know Marvel is winning. While content creators don't perpetuate this rivalry, Marvel has made consistent hits in past years, while DC has not. Kevin Feige regulates content from Marvel overseeing all Marvel films and shows that leads it so that Marvel content is quality controlled and consistent across the universe Marvel systematized a hit-making machine Wonder Woman which I will call Wonder Woman 1 and Wonder Woman 1984 which I will call Wonder Woman 84 have parallel structures and the same attributes these parallel structures could be seen as a way to quality control in hopes of reaching Marvel's success. So, if you have not yet seen Wonder Woman 1 or Wonder Woman 84, then warning, spoilers ahead. Trigger warning for discussion of sexual harassment and violence. Hello to Audrey and listeners. My name is Shelley Frost, and my new book is titled Her King the Con, How an Online Love Affair Led to Near Disaster. It is a true and shocking story of my younger sister Linda's nightmarish experience as the victim of a romance scam and how I launched an investigation to unmask the man she called her king and save her from the brink of financial ruin. Wonder Woman 1 and Wonder Woman 84 both feature Wonder Woman or Steve introducing the other one to a new time and place. In the first film, Steve introduces Wonder Woman to his world. And now in Wonder Woman 84, she introduces Steve to her current time period. In each film, one of them is of that time and the other isn't. And apparently, that's hilarious. Many of the jokes to follow are based solely on that one person not knowing something about that time and place. They both feature a prolonged clothing montage full of funny looks in the middle of an action film as a person from another time and place tries on the styles of the times and makes comments and gestures that no one from that period itself would make. Remember how Steve liked that outfit with the leather pants? Hilarious! And that fanny pack? He kept it, huh? fanny packs speaking of another time and place did they do those flashbacks to the Amazon in Wonder Woman 84 just to show us more of the Amazons or was it to remind us that truth is as important in this movie as it was in the last one my guess both plus it adds nostalgia the way that the black and white photograph and flash forward do in the first Wonder Woman in both films Steve has a role in saving the day by dying. In the anger that Wonder Woman feels about his death makes her more powerful, resulting in her defeating the bad guy and saving the day immediately afterwards. Wonder Woman 84 even brings back the same actor to play her boyfriend as in Wonder Woman 1, even though Steve's literally in another man's body in the sequel, so they don't need the same actor. Are Wonder Woman's power and her dead boyfriend really the only thing she cares about in 1984? I mean, that's not feminist just because she chooses her power over her boyfriend. That would be the obvious choice, not the powerful choice. Also, she doesn't even have friends before the villain enters the film. That's sad. She lives to save other people. That sounds very womanly duties to me. Speaking of womanly duties, let's talk about feminism. According to Vice, there's a dark side to feminism's growing mainstream visibility. To gain acceptance, the movement has um, has to make itself pal- uh, palatable within a capitalist patriarchal culture. Wonder Woman 1 and Wonder Woman 84 occupy this palatable space, capitalizing off of palatable feminism. Try saying that ten times fast. palatable, very difficult word, I'm sorry, but... Apologize for the repeated mispronunciation. Wonder Woman faced sexism in Wonder Woman 1 that is widely accepted today as bad. Wonder Woman is literally not allowed into a room of spies and politicians because it's considered unfit for a woman. That's not groundbreaking or even challenging the current status quo. That's palatable, trendy, hashtag feminism. And you know what? In the first film, it worked it made me cry. I was like, we stand, a beautiful woman. Feminism marketing works. The cheetah faces feminism in 1984 that is also widely considered unacceptable today. Before her transformation, a drunk man on the street hollers at the cheetah and grabs her shoulders, potentially with the intent to assault her physically or sexually. She gets away from him only because Wonder Woman saves her. After her transformation, she faces caricaturist catcalling. Everywhere she turns, with no subtlety, she is objectified and hit on. By making these cases of harassment so extreme, Wonder Woman 84 almost actively excludes more relatable, quote-unquote, lesser or less obvious forms of harassment and assault. Microaggressions are harmful too like the stranger who puts a hand on your waist as he passes, the acquaintance who makes sexual jokes after you've protested, the one who tries to hug you after you've declined, the friend who comments on your body after you've asked them to stop. These are smaller things that might get brushed under the rug if you don't have something to compare it to. Offering an extreme form of sexual harassment from the past that we all agree is bad doesn't really question modern sexual harassment. It's like when you see someone shut down a historical racist in a period piece, like Hidden Figures. You can't be anti-racist by commenting exclusively on trite old ways that are super common from the past, and you can't be actively feminist by commenting exclusively in trite ways on sexism of the past. You shouldn't be able to capitalize on that. And while we're discussing villains, both Wonder Woman 1 and Wonder Woman 84 face the same too many villains problem. In Wonder Woman 1 alone, the big bad guy behind everything includes Dr. Poison, the woman who makes the bomb. We've got Ludendorff, the guy in charge of the German army, and Ares in another guy's body. In Wonder Woman 84, she faces, in equal parts, the cheetah, Max Lord, and the god of tricks. Both films vaguely are connected to the gods, but we don't see the gods basically the whole movie. Then, wrapping up that Many Villains drags on, it means all the action happens in the last 45 minutes or so of the film. That also means the film feels about half an hour too long. There's the big final fight sequence back to back with another big final fight sequence. The ending flashes forward unnecessarily in a barely teaser. It it should be done with more skill, but instead it's done exactly the same way wrong in both. Wonder Woman 1 could have ended after she kills Ludendorff and realizes Ares didn't do this. Or it could have ended after Steve goes down with the plane to save the day and she realizes she can handle Ares. Or it could have ended after she takes down Ares. But instead, it ends after the flash forward. Similarly, Wonder Woman 84 could have ended quickly after she fights the cheetah or after she takes down Max Lord counter history that doesn't actually match history is another trait that these two films share now the inaccuracies from world war one i i don't know that much about them so i'm turning to the expertise of professor chris de rosa he says and i quote the plot point that the british chiefs would not allow a raid um, into occupied belgium because it might upset the germans on the eve of the armistice is really backwards the Allies were striving hard to liberate Belgium at the time of the armistice. What was actually happening was that the Allies were set on winning the war and the Germans succumbed to military pressure. There was no Allied sentiment for giving the German Empire breathing room to think things over at all. Professor Christerosa says that Erich Ludendorff didn't die in World War I either. He was actually a Nazi in World War II. Erich, um, Erich Ludendorff, Erich Ludendorff, also did not order a deadly gas attack on a civilian village back in 1918 the way that he did in the film. Lundorf did not assassinate other members of the German High Command, and on top of all these specifics, the Germans is purely an evil group of people. That's a very World War II kind of perspective. World War I, there wasn't really a battle of good and evil. But World War II, the German army was the Nazis, so hopefully we both agree that's not the side you wanted to be on. Now, the inaccuracies of Wonder Woman 84 may have gotten its taste from uh, counter histories from Wonder Woman 1. Everything from when the Max Lord uh, character gets on TV and uses magic abilities on, that obviously didn't happen in 1984. The renouncing of wishes doesn't really explain how everything goes back to normal. It seems too easy. I just don't buy it. Maybe it's not copying the inaccuracies, the historical inaccuracies of World War One. Maybe it's the too easy fix within the ending that bothers me. The way they see World War One end, it just, it's not believable. It feels too easy to fix. So do you believe me? Is Wonder Woman 84 just Wonder Woman 1 with a new title? If you do, don't let it stop you from seeing the next Wonder Woman film. I know I'll see it, and if it's got the same structure as the first two, I won't even be disappointed. That's all for now on Lights, Camera, Analysis.